there it is. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of Maker That Money. We are live right here on the YouTube, same as always, 9 a.m. Pacific uh, every Friday. Uh, with me today, I'm excited. We got a good episode. Uh, of course, uh, we got my sidekick here, uh, Mr. Andrew Mayhall of 3D Gloop. Andrew, how you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing great. Good morning awesome. to you. And we have a fantastic guest with us this morning, a little newcomer to the scene. Uh, this is Joni Peebles from Icon 3D Labs. Uh, guys, now they're, they're, they're a new, I'm going to let her tell you guys who, who she is here in a second. But uh, we are very, very delighted to have her, uh, kind of a newcomer to the maker business scene. And, and uh, Joni, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being on the the podcast. Welcome. Why don't no you problem. introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, who Icon 3D Labs is, and what do you do? Well, good morning. Thanks for the intro. Um, <laughs> I am one half of Icon 3D Labs. Um, my husband and I are in business together, interestingly enough. Um, wow. Helpful that we're complete opposites. So um, <laughs> we... Uh, um, I do the business side and he does the design side. And so about a year ago uh, in COVID, we decided that we wanted to have something that we were a little bit more in control of and had something to fall back on besides our regular jobs. Okay. And um, so he is a designer. He's been a designer for his entire career of more like uh, CAD electrical design type things. Okay. Um, never did 3D modeling, but he wanted to pick it up. And I'm a CPA, so oh, wow. um, that's a, that's a you know I was ready for the for the business side, and um, I mean I'd be like let's just start a business tomorrow, let's go, let's do it. So I work with small businesses <laughs> all the time, I love it. Um, but he was not so convinced. Uh, but we thought that we would give it a go to have something to go with. So he uh, taught himself 3D modeling, and we decided that we'd get into 3D printing. Um, just as an interesting technology, and we thought it would fit what we wanted to do. Uh, we are children of the 80s, and so we uh, design products for that generation of uh, toy collectors. So our tagline is Nostalgic Displays for Geek Collectors, which basically Ooh. is Transformers, Ooh. Ninja Turtles, um, you know, some other small stuff in there that we're trying to get into. Those are our two main ones right now. Um, he had a huge collection of Transformers, still does have a huge collection of Transformers. <laughs> um, but there's different parts and pieces that he wanted to change on them to make them, you know, interesting, display differently or, you know, accessorize and things like that. So okay. we just started off with things that he wanted to see. You know, he would find a piece that he wanted to design it. And um, so we jumped in with both feet and bought a um, huge, we wanted to do large format stuff. So we bought a huge um, Pia Polyphenon Prime. Oh, um, you started oh, right big, out of the gate. Big resin machine. Okay. So we taught ourselves how to do um, the resin process. And um, so he does the designs. I help with um, some of the printing and um, we dye our resin so that we can get color prints out. And he taught himself airbrushing to do some of the details on things. And I take care of kind of everything else, <laughs> the, uh, the business side of stuff, social aspects, finances, wow. um, you know, all that stuff. So it's interesting. You know, we bounce ideas off of each other. 
I am um, kind of a perfectionist on some stuff. So I do the QC side of things and, you know, he knows the fans. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that we work with. Yeah, it sounds like it. So guys, uh, really quick, if you're if you're listening back later or if you're uh, with us right now, I, I have a link to their website in the description. Now, I, I can't pull it up uh, here visually at the, with our current setup, but go to the I, icon3dlabs.com. You can get a sense of what Joni and her husband uh, do. And it's really cool. It, it speaks to me because I... I I'm I'm of that time as well, and I had a large transformer uh, collection and stuff too. And I'm like, oh my, I had that one. I remember that. And and uh, the detail of, of this work is just fantastic. So it's it's really neat to see um, uh, two two individuals like yourself, one that that kind of complement each other well. So that's that's a huge advantage, I would say, to, to start off and have you know big chunks of the business uh, plan kind of handled in terms of like who's going to have which responsibilities and whatnot. Um, but, but to just to see people diving in and, and making a go of it, I, I think if there's a bright side to the COVID experience, I, I know that in talking to a lot of different people that I think it's really inspired people because we've been home a lot to, to give some more thought about what you're passionate about, you know, what you want to do. And that's what we talk about on this show, taking your hobby to your jobby. Now, <laughs> that said, Joni, we know that, that 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 comes with some certain things, right? So it's when it's things that you enjoy, and then you all of a sudden are starting to move toward doing this for a living. Um, you know, the dangers of is that going to take the shine off the apple? Is that going to make it feel um, not enjoyable? You know, as a hobby and stuff like that. So today we want to talk about what are the lessons learned from year one? Because you guys are one year in, right? Just about at this point. So yeah, just. Just tell, over. Yeah. Tell us, tell us how you kind of launched the whole, the whole business. Like, how did you guys get your start and said, okay, like this is the, this is the beginning of the business. Obviously, there's paperwork and stuff, but did you guys go yeah. to a trade show? What did you do? Yeah. So we, um, yeah, we did the paperwork side like in June of last year. Um, we went to TFCon Baltimore. Um, so that's a Transformers convention, and we actually had going for us that it was, you know, so many conventions got skipped. Um, so everybody was excited about this one coming back and it happened to be Baltimore's only like an hour South of us. So it was close to it because that one does move around. Um, so we were like, okay, well, we're just going to go there. We're going to launch our first product there. That was in October. Um, so we made our first product printed as many as we could, um, before we got there, got all of our branding and stuff together, website together and everything. And, you know, so that it was ready to launch when we showed up at the show. Um, And we sold out of our product when we were there and we had people placing orders and, you know, networking and all that stuff too. And so we figured, Hey, you know, if we sold out here with the people that are directly our fans and that's how we wanted to connect with them anyway, because it's like, you know, face to face with the people that, you know, know exactly what it is that we're doing. So um, from there, we just kind of, you know, we're entirely online presence other than when we go to a show. So we launched there and then just tried to, you know, spread the word kind of from there. So I think we both, uh, Andrew and I both have a similar mm-hmm. kind of launch story as well. And and it occurs to me now, I, I never framed it this way, but it is such a great way to get ideas off the ground to go to these types of trade shows. So we we launched our, our company back in 2018, 17, 18. Uh, it's it was blur 2018 out. for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> uh, at IRF, the East Coast Rep yep. Rap Festival. Um, and it was the same thing. Like we just kind of got a, a table 
um, we're just kind of trying out like, hey, let's see if anybody likes this storage box thing that we're, we're doing. And it was such a great validating way. One, you're like having a direct engagement with people, you're having conversations and you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're where the rubber meets the road, right? And so y- luckily your experience was you went, you, it was well received. You probably got some good feedback. You met some good people. You sold out, which is like, okay, we must be onto something here, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to test you know, dip your toe in, maybe? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, li- I like that starting strategy. Andrew, what did it feel like for you guys when you when you were getting, when you first put yourselves yeah. out there? Well, you know, we, we took a little bit of a different approach, right? We did a Kickstarter campaign um, just before Earth, and we went to Earth at the tail end of that Kickstarter campaign. So, you know, we were trying to kind of dip our toes into the online aspect before we even, you know, went to the trade show. But mm-hmm. it was uh, it was when we went to the trade show that, you know, where we actually got so much valuable feedback and where people were actually able to get what we were doing beyond yeah. just, you know, throwing up a website online. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Like it's it's one of those really unique ways of, of launching a, a concept or, you know, just even getting, a, you know, see if the idea has has legs. Well, so. it's such a low barrier to entry for the most part. I mean, I know a lot mm-hmm. of these things you have to pay a little booth fee or something like that, but a lot of them, you know, want to support people getting started and stuff. So, Joni, let me ask you this. Had you guys gone and maybe it was more of a lackluster reception and stuff like that, do you think that would have changed, you know, the whole thing? Like, did you kind of go with not being sure that you guys were going to be a company of mine or you were like, okay, we're already a company, this is established, and this is just our first thing like were you were you testing or were you committed well from the beginning we kind of committed to you know at least you know like a year 18 months because i know from startups like you can't yeah you got to give it some time you can't just just you need some runway thing yeah yeah interesting um but my husband's thing that he says all the time is like well i think it's cool but i don't know if everybody else does so you know he kind (laughs) of wanted the validation of like somebody else thinks it's cool too. So that was, you know, that was good for him. For me, I was like, you know, regardless of what happens, we're going to need to give this our best effort for a chunk of time until, you know, till we really make a decision on it. And I think that's important to really have that commitment from the beginning, because if you're, even though you're kind of dipping your toe in from a side gig standpoint, you still need to give it your all in the time that you're giving it. You know, if you're only going to give it one hour a night and weekends or whatever it is, you have to be all in on that time because it's, there's no way that it can succeed until you give it the amount of time it needs to work. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's nice. The the show was nice too, because it um, not only are you getting feedback from other people, but it also forces you to learn how to tell other people about your product too. You know, it starts you on kind of that little Mm -hmm. bit of marketing side. Like it's one thing to, design your website and have stuff, but to turn around and say, this is what it is and this is what it's for and, and explain to somebody that's never seen it before. It's kind of good practice to, you know, on the marketing side too, I think. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it is so critical. I mean, I would, it would feel like a completely different business experience if we didn't have the shows that we went to. Like I, I have said on past episodes, guys and stuff, I'm a big advocate for at the very least of the networking benefit of that. Right. And Mm -hmm. it makes it so tangible when you get there and you Mm -hmm. show a brand to somebody in a way where they're like, Oh, there are people tied to this. You know, we've talked in the past about customer service. And when you're, 
getting angry emails and and people see a website and they have no context whether you're in like some massive skyscraper somewhere with like 200 com- you know employees <laughs> or if you're just one person working out of your basement like we kind of have that advantage in this day and age with the internet of like making ourselves look bigger than we may be or, or small it's not you don't have that t- that context right and yeah. so these shows are such a good way to connect and to um, interact on both ends, right? I think, like, understanding the community. You guys, I think, did a great job identifying, like, a knit, something you're passionate about, you know, so 80s uh, collectible memorabilia. Let's just call it that for right now. Um, and there is obviously a large community around that. And we've seen so many great maker businesses get started in that way. Like find something you're passionate about, find where that intersects with a community of other people that are passionate about it and then get it and then get it out there and see, see how it does. Yep. Um, I think it's a good pattern. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. One thing I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, dive a little deeper on is, is um, you mentioned, uh, you know, giving it a, you know, a, a time frame, um, you know, a period of time that you're going to commit to, um, you know, we kind of did something similar with with Gloop, where we kind of committed saying, okay, we're going to see this out for at least a year. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of curious, uh, what kind of planning went into, um, you know, that that thinking? Did you, you know, did you like build some spreadsheets? Did you figure out some costing? Uh, did you figure out, you know, how, you know, how much money you would need to make in order to see this thing through? Uh, I'm just curious. Because, you know, I know we kind of did similar things, but it's a great question. Well, we kind of we're a little bit backwards in that way. And I mean, I'm all about the numbers, of course, because, you know, being an accountant, but <laughs> um, I didn't want to kill it with numbers. Uh, like our costing fire, stuff in numbers, the beginning, yeah. you know, we kind of didn't know exactly what our costs were going to be. So, you know, for pricing our original things, we kind of just had to look at the market, what other people were doing, similar stuff. And because it's unique, we couldn't exactly do it. So we kind of started on that from a pricing standpoint. Um, I definitely know how much we need to sell to make it full time. You know, so that's like a goal number that we have. But I also had goals along the way. You know, I mean, we we did have some, our, our own money that we put in. So it's like, you know, first thing is, let's see if we can get to where we make that back. Not that we necessarily paid ourselves back, but just, you know, did we sell enough to make it worth the investment? You know, let's offset that to start with, you know, so there's like little things like that along the way. Um, But as we've gone through, now that we have some data uh, to look at, I definitely go back and I'm, you know, pretty serious about how we look at our pricing and, and our income and output and all that kind of stuff too, because I think, you know, I mean, since I'm a numbers person, it, it makes sense to me, but even as a small business, I think you really need to know your numbers because you can't make those kinds of decisions. It's very hard to price if you don't know what all of your costs are and what kind of right. categories they fall into, you know, how much is your time worth and all that kind of thing. I knew that those were hurdles that people have trouble overcoming. So I was really focusing on that early to like, as soon as we could get to that point where I had some data to break it down and say, okay, now when we have the next new product, we know that like we need to add 20% to cover our supplies and, you know, our consumables and all that kind of stuff. 
That's a so. that's a fantastic point we've talked about in the past. There's a lot of blind spots, right? And and mm-hmm. a lot of that data mining. You know, we we have the luxury of having these analytical tools that we can use. You know, whether it's our own sales data or whatnot to look at, but we don't even take the time to look at it a lot of the time. And I, <laughs> I talk to Andrew about this all the time. I feel like I'm flying blind, right? Like, when's the last time I looked at the balance sheet? When's the last time I looked at the P and L? Like, and then how have I broken that down on a product, you know, level thing? So that you can spend a lot of time, obviously, just getting into the nitty gritty of the whole thing. But talk to me for a second about the balance of that versus like, well, there's only two of us. There's only so many hours in the day. You, you're working from home. You have kids as well. There's other you know constraints in life, like figuring out that priority. Um, now you guys are lucky because you got, you have a, your partnership and you can kind of divide and conquer in a lot of regards. But like, have you had scenarios where you're disagreeing about where you need to be focusing your energy and your, your time? Um, not necessarily disagreeing per se, but it's just, I mean, we're short on time, but it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the worst thing <laughs> and our best thing at the same time. You know, I mean, our lack of time forces us to focus, you know, certainly like laser focus. I mean, yes. so we, we each, um, work. He works out of the home most of the time. Um, I work from home. And then, as you mentioned, we have three small children. So, um, you know, we have about 10 minutes a day to ourselves. You know, it's like, <laughs> if you're, if that, right. If you hide if, in a closet. If you, yeah. Assuming you can keep your eyes open. Yeah. No, I, so, I know that feeling. Yeah, all I mean, too so well. we had yeah. To, yeah. We had to decide like, you know, basically, Somebody has to watch the kids and do all the house stuff by themselves while the other person's working on the business, which before with three kids, we were dividing and conquering that piece. So it's like, all right, well, now somebody's going to have to take on the home duties while the other person works on the business. And so we try to balance that as far as, okay, well, you know, this is your night to work on the business. This is my night to work on the business to keep us sane from that because both of those jobs are difficult and stressful, you know, I can't imagine honestly, like having a, a partner, uh, that I you know, not only living with and doing this, but then doing a job. I mean, that takes a really special, strong relationship. So kudos to you guys for figuring out. I'm, I'm <laughs> honestly, I'm jealous of it because it's like <laughs> finding people that you can trust and communicate with well and work well. And, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, see them all the time you know, uh, work, personal, you know, all that stuff is, is just an amazing thing. Tell us guys in the chat, if what, what your experience is with you, where you're at on your project, are you, are you a one, one man wolf pack? Are you, uh, do you have a partner? Do you have a significant other that's helping? I love hearing what other people's, uh, setups are in that. So what, what, what little, uh, pieces of, of advice can you give us for, you know, making that partnership work? for you guys? Well, I would say number one, you know, don't leave your partner out of it. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm the one that not in a selfish way, but like I'm the designer. So I'm going to have to take responsibility for all this stuff. Yeah, I think that, you know, somebody else can do other things and help in other ways, or at least be there as a sounding board. If they understand what's going on with your business, if you Hmm. take it all yourself and, you know, just grind it out constantly, they're never going to understand what's going on. So even if it's just letting them know that they, you know, that they have an understanding of the ups and downs, what's happening and struggles and successes and that kind of stuff. I think that's important to just share on that level because it's, it is very stressful. You know, there's a lot of, 
things that don't go your way and things that you don't expect. And then plus you've got the rest of your life, you know, general (laughs) stress that you're dealing with too. So, you know, that communication side is important. Um, It helps that we have opposing views on things too. You know, it just, I, I honestly, I mean, we've been together for 20 years. So, I mean, we know each other really well, but we're very different. I mean, he's artistic, but he's not, um, like he's, he calls himself a realist. I call him a pessimist, but he's a realist. <laughs> <laughs> a realist. Like, okay, well, um, so I'm, I'm very logical, but I'm also very optimistic. So that it's kind of like a, a an interesting mixture. Oh, it's all about um, the balance, man. But, That's great. So I plan things out a lot, but I also have big, you know, okay optimistic, you know, goals for that kind of stuff. And he's kind of like, well, we probably should try and, you know, hit it a little more, you know, evenly like that. But I think having somebody, you know, that does complement your weaknesses, you know, look at yourself and know what your weaknesses are. And if it's not your life partner, you know, somebody else that you can right. at least communicate with to, to help you on that stuff. Cause if you're by yourself, you, you are, like you said, you know, you're going to have a lot of blind spots. Cause you yeah. just, you don't know what you don't know. And you're going to see things a certain way. If you don't have somebody that has that other viewpoint to look at things. Absolutely. Absolutely. A couple of comments from the chat. Uh, Adam from Powerbelt 3d says his wife helps do the box packing and uh, part sorting. She's way better at it than I am. That's great way to recognize <laughs> your strengths and weaknesses. And uh, th- that's awesome that you have that help. Uh, Grant from Three Day Musketeers, mostly Lone Wolf, but he has contractors. That's good. That's a good way to to find uh, other help. Um, uh, let's see. Griffin's Closet Print Farm. Welcome, my friend. My wife works remote from home. We made our home office and studio in opposite sides of the house so that we have that little moment apart. So that's a that's an interesting point. Like having a little bit of separation, a uh, little space of your own, but you know, still within easy walking distance. Uh, what's your guys' setup? Are you in the same office, Joni, or do you have your own um, little space? Yeah, well, we have side by side from the office setup, but the shop is in the basement. So, mm-hmm. um, and then so yeah. we've got the 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 packing area, shipping and packing areas, one's half, and then. The printing area is the other half. So if we're both down there, which is pretty rare, we usually have to alternate. Um, you know, we're on two halves of the shop. With a, there is a wall in between. Yeah. We have a lot of disagreements about the music that is played <laughs> down there. <laughs> the so that, if that's um, your if biggest Genesis challenge, comes on. If Genesis comes on, I have to leave the room. Really, sorry yeah but anyway yeah um that's our, that's our biggest disagreement really if, hey, listen um, if that's your biggest disagreement you're doing pretty well yeah. right because you can always yeah, throw the headphones great. on uh, there's yeah. there's, uh, there's there's ways to to get around that so okay so you i mean you're literally doing it all you're 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 working from home you're married uh you're you're raising three small children uh, you're doing this is it's still a side hustle though for you. You're year in, but you're not full time with it. So mm-hmm. obviously how many hours would you say you guys are able to devote per week to, mm-hmm. to this on average? Um, he spends usually about three nights a week in the shop, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on with the family. Mm-hmm. And, and really that's only like from dinner time to bedtime. So maybe two hours, you know, okay. there's not, he's pretty tapped out. He works 10 hour days. So that's, you oh, know, wow. that's adding a lot to his day. It's a, a long day. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, so what's that's like six hours. And then 
he'll work, you know, four hours or so on a Saturday sometimes. Um, now that it's getting to be football season, Sundays are going to be sacrificed for the business a little Ooh. bit there. So he's Ooh. a big Niners fan. So um, Saturday or Sunday Niners. afternoons are going to be not <laughs> not devoted to yeah. the business. So he, um, was he watching preseason? So like probably last 10 night? hours. Okay, oh, 10 yeah. hours. He, okay. He's, All right. okay. All right. Yeah. So probably I'd say probably about 10 hours a week, you know, and I'm, and, and that doesn't count all the little things in between, you know, answering sure. emails and, you know, social media messages and packing boxes and, you know, running to the post office and that kind of stuff. Sure. So, right. so with that, with that limited time, how do you guys prioritize what is really going to help move the needle um, for your business? Um, do you have like processes or is it just uh you know, first, you know, closest fire, let's put that out and move <laughs> on to the next one. Um, I'm, I'm curious because this is, this is something we struggle with internally all the time as well. Yeah. Well, we do try to um, talk at least once a week, maybe every other week, depending on how things are going, just about the priorities of stuff. You know, we try and just like catch a quick conversation that gets interrupted 27 times, but we do <laughs> have a conversation. Um, just about like, what's the next product coming up? You know, are we in the middle of a lot? Cause we kind of have like some, so far we've had like just launches, you know, so we'll concentrate on a particular product, get it all ready, prototyping, start putting it out there, getting some buzz going, um, you know, launch it, send, we've been sending things out to reviewers and things like that to try and get a wider audience. Um, so, you know, keeping an eye on when the reviews drop and knowing that our sales will change and then kind of giving us some leeway after that to know we've mm -hmm. got to do order fulfillment. Um, we take most of our stuff on pre-order so that we can um, know how many orders so we don't get too many at one time. You know, so we'll say oh. we're going to have a pre-order for a month so that we know going in, like, if we've got 20 of something that you can only print four on the build plate at a time and, and yep. they take, you know, eight hours to print and then clean, you know, and all the other stuff. So it's like, we have to try to chart that out and just make sure that we're doing the nice, you know, you can run prints overnight and that kind of stuff is nice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just try and keep track of that. And I try and let him know, like I've handled all of the orders, you know, order fulfillment stuff. So I get a notice every time we have orders. So I don't even usually talk to him about orders unless it's something like, Hey, you're going to need to print more of these. Some right. of the small things we can print like 40 at a time and he'll just knock out a whole batch. And then we've got them there to fulfill right away. The big stuff is yeah. what we do the pre-order things for. So we do try and like sit down and be like, okay, here's, you know, what we're in the midst of right now. We've got this right. many pending orders and here's the next thing from a design standpoint. So he tries to split his time between, you know, new prints, cleaning, curing, finishing, and mm -hmm. design, mm -hmm. because we've always got to have something coming up too. So if he spends too much time down there, you know, just knocking out product, then we don't have something coming down the pike either. So sure. you know, we, we try to revisit that and make sure that he has time to just get, plus that's really what he likes to do, you know, is the design side. <laughs> you so, know that? but, sure. You yes. know, he would sit there and tinker with it forever if, if right. I didn't. <laughs> Like <laughs> shiny object syndrome, we talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I'm I, I, that's kind of my function too. Is like, okay, we need to like finalize this thing here. Let's get this show on the road. I'm looking Checks at your web, website right now, and it has a disclaimer front and center. 
you know, when you get on there, each item is custom made. So variations will occur in each product and each may slightly be different. Shades of color may vary from the pictures shown. Uh, just some side effect of resin printing and how your, your dyeing process. In stock orders will ship within three days. Items on back order are fulfilled in the order they are received and will be shipped when complete, typically two to three weeks after ordering. So you're, you're immediately setting the tone for your customer base here of the scale of your operation and whatnot. And I think this is great. I think that transparency is good. I look through, you, you know, you have your stuff that's out of stock, but there's a lot of, vi you're a very visual business. You know, people want to see what you're able to do and stuff like that. So I can understand the importance of having just things up there so people can understand who you guys are, what your capabilities are, what you're offering. Um, when we look at this and we talk about the amount of time that we have available to it, you had mentioned that we always got to be coming up with something new. Um, that I would say for us has been an interesting challenge because as a maker, I think that that resonates and you guys ch chime in on the chat. I think that resonates with all of us, right? We always want to be improving. We always want to be doing mm -hmm. new things. And we feel that, uh, if we don't, we're going to lose relevancy. We're going to lose the appeal. Now, as a business owner, I don't know, I, you know, I heard you say it. And so maybe that's, that, that may, you're in a different space. You have a different customer base. I understand. Like you want to be releasing product. But knowing how time intensive that is versus, say, scaling the ones that you have, have been, you know, great sellers and stuff like that and repeating, like, how do you strike a balance there? Well, um, we haven't quite got, I mean, we have so many ideas and so many things that we want to get out that we're still kind of in that stage of like, you know, just as fast as we can try and get new stuff out because mm -hmm. um, we want to get out to different, you know, there's subgroups of those larger groups too. Um, the, the thing about our product that is a little bit different is there's no, well, I don't want to say there's no repeat buyers, but there's no repeat buyer of that particular item. You know, you have that figure, you get mm -hmm. that accessory and right. that's the one that you're mm. going to buy for that one dude. So, you know, he has that, but we do have people who then come back because they have a collection and know that they can get stuff or they'll, mm -hmm. you know, say, mm -hmm. Hey, do you make this for this? And we've gotten suggestions from, you know, we've, very often like have a list basically of suggestions from people hmm. as potential later projects to see like, you know, this is what people are interested in sure. because, you know, depends on how many figures that particular one sold, you know, how many people right. own it and all that kind of stuff. So we don't circle back quite that often right now on our current product. The cool thing that I didn't know when we started that I kind of just figured out is that, our stuff is for display. So people buy it, they take a picture of it. You know, they they put it in their display, they share it to social media because they like the way mm. that it looks. So cool. the nice thing is, is that when we send out a batch of orders, our customers are doing advertising for us yes. a lot of times. You know, so then <laughs> they awesome. have different groups of people and then they look and they're like, oh, cool, where'd you get that from? You know, and then as soon as they get it, they take a picture and send it. And we don't ask people to do that, but it's just, that's the whole point. We want it to look cool. And so, like I said, we didn't even think of that as far as, you know, on purpose that we wanted people to do that, but they like it so much that they share it. So we kind of don't have to go back too much because it's, you know, spreads yeah. on its own yeah. so far with the stuff that we've done. Um, but getting to the next group of 
people. Like the next thing that we want to do is for gargoyles collectors. So oh. started having a jump oh. because that opened back up in Disney Plus, and so now that group of people is is growing. And NECA put out some figures for it. So there's a design flaw in the first figure that we're trying to fix, and um, so we've had it up there for a long time. Like we want to do this, but we keep like having to push it back a little bit because oh well now we had you know we had a QC issue with this and we had to fix this and then we had more orders on this than we thought. So we had to push mm-hmm. it back a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're always trying to be um, over, uh, what, I always say this backwards, over promise and under, no, other way around. On times, you know, cause I feel like as long as you, that's a big thing that I knew I had, I knew going in that we wanted to be super, customer oriented you know mm-hmm. and i think in mm-hmm. any business you need to be like be very transparent if you mess up tell them you mess up you know and if people just want to know what's going on absolutely it, you know it, it does not mm-hmm. help anyone to like cover things up or to not say anything you know because they just assume the worst it, you know yeah we yeah had our first batch of something shrank and we didn't realize it did and we sent out like 20 of them and it was you know our second product so we were flipping out. I'm like, Oh my God, we just sent out all this stuff to, you know, wrong. Uh, And I just immediately sent out the first person that came back and said it didn't fit. I was like, okay, we're just going to send out an email to every single person that bought this and said, if your thing, you know, we're sending out new ones. I didn't even ask if it didn't fit. We just sent out new ones to the people that I knew we did it because you you just have to do that, you know? And I think you can't build um, confidence Mm -hmm. in your brand if you don't respond to your customers. hundred percent hundred percent so you know i think the answer to this is obviously it's going to be different on your mark it might when i say this the 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 question of like how you know how do you establish priorities are you are you going to be trying to release you know uh, more frequently are you going to try to grow so what are your goals for the bit if somebody is asking you like okay is your goal to just have as many products like what is your plan for growth and sustainability and next level and are you trying to get to a point where you're both full-time or are you happy just having this as kind of a of a side project what's your goal well my goal versus his goal is a little bit different but Ah. um (laughs) i am very happy in my job i love what i do um and i love helping but i don't think that well I don't want to say that it's always possible to be large enough for my portion to be full time, but you know, it's, it'd be much more likely for his piece to be Uh full time than mine. Uh Um, So, you know, it would be great if we had the um, reliability of income for him to go um, full time. And it's possible the job that he works in right now, he's technically a subcontractor. And so his contract has to be renewed every couple of years. And the end of this year is a renewal period. So that is like by the end of this year was kind Mm. of the make or break that we had to know if we had something um, because his contract may not be renewed. Now, given that if it is renewed, then, you know, I'm kind of like, well, we have to have a different conversation Then how long do we want to keep going? Like burning the candle at both ends, essentially, you know, for some of that stuff. Or do we just kind of like just let it go as, you know, do things that you're interested in and just do a couple things and just have it be extra you know, in the background there. Um, so 
we kind of have like a short list of things that we definitely want to get out. And then after, you know, after that, it would be more like just growing in sales dollars, getting some more things out there. We have lots of ideas and we've never done like Patreon or anything like that, but those mm -hmm. kinds of, um, like that setup as far as a subscription kind of model or have people that you're sending things out to on a regular mm -hmm. basis or doing things with is really interesting to me. So, you know, we've kind of talked through how we might be able to do something like that for transformer fans, you know, have a thing, Ooh. you know, that we send out and have some recurring revenue and yeah. some other revenue streams like that. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff and it's just things that we don't have enough time to push out right now. So you know, it's, it's that there's that gap between if you, if you make the leap and you don't necessarily have enough revenue to sustain it right now, but then you get a whole mm -hmm. bunch of time mm -hmm. so you can backfill some of that, you know, yeah. how fast is that going to fill in versus trying to double, you know, double up on your time while you're still working and, and get the revenue higher. You know, there's, there's just that's different for everybody. Like what's your comfort level with how high sure. is your revenue before you decide that you're going, you're at your max and you have to have that extra time in order to make more revenue. You know, because that's, that's just, Interesting. that's always going to be your, your sticking point. I think is you're going to have a cap on how much you can sell when you're only doing it 10 hours a week. I mean, there's just, there's just sure. About it. So, so, as a you know, as a CPA, are you are you sitting here in the in the background, kind of calculating these numbers? I know you mentioned earlier oh, yeah. you had you know kind of a a break even <laughs> or a minimum. So are you constantly like looking and and tracking this, or is it just more so a a general goal that you're sh hoping to hit? No, no, I'm looking at it. I mean, I have we we um my first goal for this year was to hit ten thousand in sales, and we did do that. Um, and that was in the first half of the year. So, you know, six awesome. months, 10,000 in sales. I was happy with that. Um, my goal before the end of the year is to have 25,000 in sales. We've got three, well, two conventions. We are going to earth. I don't think we're actually going to sell anything at earth. You know, that's more as just like a, you know, networking okay. thing for yeah. us. Um, but we have two other, um, Comic-Con that we're going to and uh, another show. So, those are all in the fall. So we're hoping that by the end of the year, that's my goal is 25. And um, I mean, I think that for the first full year in business, I think that's a pretty good, um, you know, and at part time, I feel like that's a pretty that's, good number. That's great. No, and, yeah. you know, that's, I feel like as we reach those ones, then I just adjust to the next one. You know, I always have them sure. one and then one <laughs> after that, but after, you can't really tell after that. Sure. I think you can just have your, your closest one and then maybe your big goal but you have to use the information you learned getting there to set the next one. So, yeah. you know, we'll adjust after that and say, okay, well, it didn't grow quite as fast or this one took off and we didn't really think it was. So, and like I was, I was saying um, before, like the difference between, um, do you want to sell a whole bunch of small items or do mm -hmm. you want to sell less big items? Yeah. You know, and we kind of have mm -hmm. a balance on that too, because you can sell a hundred ten dollar items or ten hundred dollar items, and you know that's a big difference as far as sure. logistics. For um, sure, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it, it, you know, it, on that note, do you are you now 
this far along in your business about a year in, are you guys kind of defining your future projects based on the amount of revenue and profit you can make from that? Or is it just, uh, you know, I think this is cool still. I think there's a market for this. So are you just going after that? So basically what I'm asking is, is there a calculated decision happening in the products that you're designing? Not really. I mean, we know, yeah, we look at the market, we try to see how popular certain figures are and stuff, but the things that we make, you know, as an accessory to a figure may or may not be as popular. We do try and make connections with people and and ask them about Mm -hmm. stuff. We ask for input on the development of things. And if we get a lot of interest in it, then we can usually tell. Um, dollar wise, we have no idea what that's going to convert to, you know, it's just, okay. we just don't know. Cause we don't know how many people own the figure. Um, we have seen a huge difference between different types of collectors. So like transformers collectors and the thing that we design for the figure itself, um, some of them, they're like $250 figures. So if you're a person oh, that wow. invests in $250 collectibles, buying like a $13 part for that, not a big yeah. decision for them. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's. Yeah, that one's an easy one. Then we've got turtle collectors where a two pack of turtles is 50 bucks. Well, the pieces that we make are 50 bucks. So, ah. you know, they're talking about like a lot much bigger investment um, versus what they're used to. So we've learned that the market, depending on who it is, the type of collector it is, is different too. So we know that the turtle things are going to have to be a niche within the turtle market, like big buyers of turtle ah. stuff. But you know, so, so it's, so we've started to learn a little bit about it, but we're not quite like, we don't know quite okay. enough about it to, to do, but yeah. So that's why we try and mix the genres of what we're doing too. Like not release too many things in one line too often because the collectors are different. That makes sense. Two, two interesting, you know, points on that. One, the first thing you were talking about, like, <clears throat> and Andrew's alluding to, I always say like that, which is, is, best for the business in terms of growth and dollar revenue and all that stuff oftentimes is in direct conflict with what we as makers are passionate about. Right. (laughs) And it's the hardest thing to do because it's like, I don't want to make 10,000 of these, even though that's going to make us like, it's, it's like the kid that doesn't want to do their homework, even though or eat your vegetables, you know, it's like, those are the vegetables a lot of the time. Because we mm-hmm. wanna we wanna go out and play with new product and and innovate and re- you know so it's like and and striking that balance is so critical I would say in terms of like maintaining your own personal sanity and the whole thing because like you can have a very successful business you know doing one or two products that just sell gangbuster you know Chuck Hellebuck is a great example of that he's made an yes. incredible <laughs> amount of money selling the mailbox flags uh you know yep. for a mailbox and it's not sexy it's not glamorous but my god does that make him money you know it's just like great and and it's that's but you need both, right? You you mm-hmm. are never going to get anywhere if you can't reconcile the books, if you can't pay for it all, if you can't pay for the next thing. And so that there's that yin and yang to the whole thing. Um, the other piece is knowing thy marketplace is so unbelievably critical in the sense of what you're talking about. Know the price points of the things that you are trying to accessorize 
And as mm-hmm. much as the the crowd out there is going to be asking you for all kinds of stuff, like we get requests all the time. I get emails all the time from people like, oh, yes. when are you going to do this? <laughs> when are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? And they, you can't tell them like, I'm never going to do that because you're literally the only person that wants that. <laughs> um, yeah. It, or, you know, there are like five, you know, people and stuff like that. Thank you so much for your feedback. We appreciate it. We'll take it under advisement. I don't have any plans at this time. Like you said, be upfront about it. Um, you know, communicate transparency. That's always, that's all hundred percent totally right. But, uh, um, you know, weighing that thing. And so I've talked to other people, like we, we focus on the tool sets that we use and the customers we go after. We like Prusa equipment because that's a good mid grade. Like people, uh, have a certain expectation of quality. They've, they've paid a certain amount. So you know that they're accustomed to paying a certain amount. And so we want to try to tailor products to accessorize the, the, a certain type of price point that is going to be reasonable selling uh, accessories for people that are in the $99 ender market or a small, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really tough thing because you're talking about 10, 20, 50, 100% of the total cost of that tool set um, yep. already. So uh, there is no shame. I would say in saying no, uh, you know, there's the, the famous Jobsian thing. It's like, it's not what you say yes to. It's what you say no to, you know, balance that thing. And, and, and then, be real with yourself. Is this, is this, I'm doing this because I'm a little bit passionate about it and that's fine. Or am I doing this because I do think this has legs and it's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you one year in, like you've probably already started to pick out things from like, we thought this was going to do better. We didn't like, this was kind of a dud, but the benefit of being in the space and having the tool sets that we do 3d printing, we can, we can pivot on a dime. You know, mm-hmm. and and you only lose when you stop. So you 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 decide. Well, we learned something from that, like you said, and we move on to the next thing. You're just you're throwing a lot of nuggets of wisdom out at us, Joni, and I, I love it. It's resonating <laughs> with me, hundred um, percent. I want to talk. I know we're closing in. We got 50, about fifteen minutes left, uh, guys. If you guys have any questions in the chat, for, for, you know, hit them with us. In fact, I, I I apologize. Chris did ask a good question earlier and i wanted to send it your way here Joni. he says what kind of process tools and software do you use for order tracking crm supplies accounting etc if any Mm. so we're very low tech in that aspect um we have like you know order tracking and that kind of stuff we just use woocommerce and it's on our website they Mm -hmm. have um you know the mobile app and everything so that keeps everything in there. We do use MailChimp um, for, we send out a newsletter mm-hmm. and that links right into our WooCommerce too. So mm-hmm. we, we can have people sign up for our newsletter. We send blasts out with new products and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use QuickBooks Online for, for accounting side, which is um, really works for a very wide range of business sizes. Um, <clears throat> and they innovate that all the time. So we both use that as well. Are you I, tracking inventory with it or are you not at that level of sophistication with it? No, I use, I use actually WooCommerce to track inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I put, yeah, I put our products in stock in there and then track it through there. Mm. Cause yeah, I just bring things in, in bulk into QuickBooks because the, um, the detail, you know, of doing it twice right now, we don't really need that much. Um, and it's a little bit hard to track sometimes because of um, different, well, we don't do it as much now, but we used to offer like painted and unpainted, you know, so like print, scrape it ah. off and send it, 
and then other ones we would paint. Oh, because people would paint their own <clears throat> kind of thing. As... Yeah, but okay. because, and it's like a hobby. You know, some people you would yeah. think there's a, that's one of those things. Like way less people want to do it themselves. If they're buying something like that, they want it done sure, and they want right. it to look nice. So I'm like, okay, well, very few of those sold. So why, you know, don't even worry about having that as an option on right. there. It's it's pretty uncommon. Um, so yeah, we use we're pretty low tech on that. We use as much free software as possible right now. We use, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. So he uses FreeCAD for his, um, you know, for his designs. Shout oh, out FreeCAD. Wow. <laughs> Brave soul. He had a, had a huge yeah. curve in the beginning with that one. And I think we almost lost a computer out the window in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But he has gotten used to that. And um, our, um, what do you call it? What's our slicer software? Uh, Chichibox is our slicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was coded to the board of our printer. Actually, we we didn't have a chance, a choice on that one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of become <clears> a so, standard. Yeah, yeah. We try and get away with with those minimum kind of things, and it tracks pretty well. I mean, the <clears throat> the WooCommerce part. Excuse me. <clears throat> um. You know, even if we're at a show, we can use that to, you know, to take orders mm -hmm. right then. And we use like mm -hmm. QR codes and, and that kind of stuff to, sure. to yeah. um, you know, to run products through. So it's worked pretty well from from a somewhat low tech standpoint. We have awesome. a lot of international customers, um, which is uh -huh. really cool. I, that is I, I don't know why I think it's so cool, but it is. It's just like somebody <laughs> in New Zealand has our stuff, you know, it's, we get a lot of Australian buyers. I don't know how, I don't yeah. know how they find out about it, but it's just I, cool. I remember you having know, that same realization. Australia. It, like, it is cool. Say, <laughs> it is super cool. I had cool. that same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you feel small. It makes you realize like the scale and the potential of this thing. Like you're, you're in a very niche little space, but yeah. like when you think about the overall scope of the world, like it makes you feel very small and the, in the world and and to be able to to influence people on other continents and and stuff with your product like it's it's a very, it's a very satisfying feeling i think that's a awesome oh yeah awesome point yeah we had an order from a country i've never heard of one time i was like i honestly have never heard of <laughs> which this country. country was that country know. it was like i can't even think of what it was now it was, was it eritrea i only learned about eritrea in the philippines or oh, something okay. and all right <clears throat> i actually ended up not being able to ship it there because of covid restrictions um oh. but it was crazy. I got that. I'm like, what, what abbreviation is this? You know, it's <laughs> look it up, figure out what country it was. But um, the point behind that was WooCommerce also handles, you know, all the international stuff on that side really well too, you know, so that seems to translate pretty well um, across the board for our stuff at least. That's great. I mean, we've talked at length before about the the uh, perils of of international shipping mm -hmm. and what that that can entail. Oh. Small stuff. It's nice. You we have, have like, small tiny stuff. I was going to say that is yeah. yeah that's the yeah. place. That's the place to be. Honestly, honestly, small product, I think is like. I look at that. I'm like, how can we have smaller product? Because it's cheaper to ship, but you can sell small product, but high value, right? So it's like shipping diamonds. Yeah. Like the, yeah. And then, then you got to worry about insuring everything. Yeah, no, I don't know that there's anything perfect. Um, you know, Joni, we talked offline a little bit earlier about something that I want to make sure we talk about here today, and that's kind of uh, what we were calling like the triad of like deciding where you want to be as a business. Of you know, there's a there's a the saying like good, fast and cheap pick two that I think a lot of you guys have heard. I use that exhaustively in my web development world in the past, right? You can't have it all. But looking at it from the um, 
company side and you say like, okay, uh, you know, we have to pick kind of where we want to play. Are we, are we trying to be really high quality? Are we trying to be low cost? Are we trying to be really fast to deliver? What is the balance and have you moved around? Like where, where are you guys trying to position yourself given the, that triad? Um, well, that was one of the very first decisions that we made really, um, from a more detailed standpoint was that we were going to, um, be high quality. That was why we went resin printing. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like he, because again, our first customer was a collector of a $250 item. So you don't want to put a piece of crap on that, (laughs) you know, like you just, you want it to look really nice, really clean. Um, mm. and so, and we, and the parts have details, you know, in them. So the very first thing we made was a throne for this figure. Um, it's the got Grimlock, all kinds of designs. Grimlock throne. I see yeah, it right here. So, um, it's all kinds of designs all over it, you know, all kinds of things. And so we wanted it to look really nice, have the design pop and, you know, be really clean and clear. And also these little tiny swords and a little tiny crown that goes with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to make something big that has a lot of detail, but also the small things uh, that go with it. So that was very early on. We just said, you know, quality, it's going to be more expensive. We knew that from the outset, again, because we chose what lane we were going to be in going resin printing and starting off with a $3,500 printer. It, you know, your, your sunk costs in the beginning are high. So it's going to mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a little bit more expensive to do that right. in the beginning. Um, and, you know, we, so we're kind of in the middle as far as fast goes. We do on small items, we do try and print batches so that we have things that we can send out right away, things that we know that are popular now and that we'll get orders for, you know, a few a day or whatever it is. So we can just go down there, pop it in an envelope and send it out. We don't want to have to print every single thing that somebody, you know, orders. But the big stuff, we don't want to keep a ton in stock because we're just mm-hmm. not sure how fast that's going to move. Um, and, as you know, people think that 3D printing means that you just push a button and out pops a product and it doesn't, you know, reality is not that. What so, the hell you um, say? <laughs> we have printed a lot of stuff on straight on the build plate. You know, we have been working on getting as many things if we can, you know, print them in place as possible so that we don't have to deal with supports and all that. So anything mm-hmm. that has a flat spot that we can work with, we do try and do that. Okay. Big things, that's not possible to do. Um, right. So, you know, you're dealing with cleaning the supports and, and, you know, resin cleaning itself and the chemical, dealing with the chemicals and all that. That's a whole process you have to go through to clean them, cure them, finish them, sand them. And then sometimes we put paint on it. Sometimes we just clear coat it, but it does need to be clear coated Mm. because of UV. So, you know, there's still always some post-processing. So that process is always going to take us some time. So we know that we're going to have to fall on the, you know, maybe longer end of taking time too. But as you mentioned, we try to be very clear about that on our website. Mm -hmm. You know, we always tell Mm -hmm. people if they ask how long it's going to take, we always tell them longer than what we think it's going to take just because we want to make sure that it gets out there on time. And sometimes things take longer than you expect. You know, sometimes you print something doesn't fit together. You know, (laughs) like our screen is, is I think it might start be starting to go because like if you print something in one corner of the screen, it's different than the same thing that you print in another piece of the screen. And I'm like, Oh my God, stop it. So then they're not consistent, (laughs) you know? So we go through, we have to fit our poor little, poor little transformers. You know, we've got like the Guinea pig down there that I fit every single piece into as it comes out there. Poor guy gets tired of having pieces snapped in and out of them because we got to check everything. 
So, yeah. you know, that's, but that's part of our quality. So we decided like, we're going to do quality yeah. and it's may not be fast and it's, it may not be cheap, but that's, you know, our focus. And when people say like, Whoa, man, that's a lot, that's expensive. Like, well, our prices aren't for everybody. That's what I say. Prices aren't for everybody. <laughs> I just you know? go, it's not for you. Did, <laughs> if you're I, saying I that, clearly yeah, you're not in our that. market. Yeah. If you yeah. think it's too expensive, you know, and I think that's a nice yeah. way to, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just no, saying that it's is not a nice, nice you know? way to, to say that. Um, mm-hmm. what, what always cracks me up about that, I just let me, allow me this rant for just a second. Cause everybody, everybody <laughs> knows I love to rant oh, and that, man. and that pray I'm very sensitive to the, the whole price complainer, uh, thing. Like I get it. Everybody's, you know, wants to keep, they got their heart on it, uh, hard earned, excuse me, hard earned money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're, they're trying to, you know, keep as much of it as possible. But the fact that, that, you know, people are motivated to take time out of their day to email you, to admonish you that your stuff is too expensive, just cracks me up, right? It's like, <laughs> like I, I get it, but, yeah. I, you know, I think stuff's too expensive all the time. I would love to pay a lot less for a Porsche. You know, I don't, I don't write them and say, like, when, is, when are you going to make a Porsche that I can afford? Uh, or a Porsche <laughs> or whatever, you know? But, but people do in this space. Is, is there's something about makers in, in particular, I, I think, because it's like you're saying, we try to find free tools. We have this expectation and we're always comparing it against something that we can do ourselves. We're just looking yeah. at it and we just say like, oh, well, this is only, you know, five cents worth of plastic. And therefore it's only like stop with the bomb analysis, people like it's well, not about the because... pieces. It's about the <laughs> amount of time and mental energy and development yeah. hours that go into it. We know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we as makers often always never value our own time properly. Oh, and so we are God, always we're so bad. We're always looking at it and it's like, well, I can do this for half that price, you know, or, or whatever. And but what we're not accounting for is eat. the amount yeah. of time and effort that goes into it. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and we we don't buy any designs, you know, everything's designed from scratch. And so you don't know how it's going to come out. It, you know, comes out one way on the screen and then you print it and that's a whole other animal. And then mm-hmm. since we're dyeing our prints, it depends on what color it is. It, you know, we have to mess with that and make sure that that um, comes out the right way too. Cause we'll prototype in one color sometimes just to get something right only to switch to it being the dyed print and then have it, you know, change dimensions mm. on us because of the, drink and that kind of stuff so it's just yeah and people just don't think part of it is just ignorance of 3d printing process itself i think people don't realize what has to go into it um especially resin printing but i think in general Mm -hmm. you know and part of it is just that people you know when they want something they (laughs) they want to be able to dictate how you know how much it costs them you know in some aspects it's like like, sure you're not paying for this one you're paying for the ten thousand that came before (laughs) it that it took to get to this one the way that that didn't work but nobody ever deal with it and you're not having to buy that color you know paint or what you know any of those things Mm -hmm. you know i mean do you have to buy rubber gloves in bulk so that you can print this no you do not so it's like yeah you know do you so have to buy kind, gallons of IPA? Pound sand. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know do you respond to those people just out of curiosity because like i i always i i'm I have a weird obsession where i just need to i, I hate being ghosted <laughs> and so it's like i need to respond and a lot of times it's like a <laughs> kill them with kindness snarky kind of thing like i'm so sorry that yeah. it doesn't matter you know but there, there's really it's probably That's a waste why my of time. He's not allowed to reply to comments. Y- y- he's y- not. Y- he's. Y- 
banned because <laughs> he will not do it in a professional way. Yeah. Like, do you realize how much time that took me to do? I'm like, no, let, let me handle this. <laughs> um, I will sometimes like, especially depending on how public it is. If it's an email, that's one thing that's straight to you. If it's a comment on something that's out there, we'll usually say something like, you know, our, our prices include, you know, just to kind of educate a little bit. And yeah. usually you don't hear anything else after that. And if it's somebody that some people will defend you too. I mean, we have had people come back and say, you know, this is a custom thing, you know, and I got it and it's great quality and yeah. that's what you're paying for. So that's always nice too, to have somebody come in with that. But I mean, we have a formula I went through and you know, it's like, what do you want to, what is your time worth? Whether it's, you know, what would you get paid for your salary if you were doing that job? You know, if you were a 3D wow. designer, what's your, what would your salary be? Or what would you like to make given your skills? That kind of thing. So yeah. I think anybody can do that from a pricing perspective. They could look it up and, you know, let's say, you know, just to use round numbers, if you want, if, if your job you think was worth $125,000 salary a year, you know, that's at a normal 40 hour week type of job. Yeah. That's, 60 hours, $60 an hour, you yeah. know? Yeah. So every so got, minute that you spend on a product costs you a dollar Yeah. Or, or on a job of any kind, maybe not even a product. Every minute you spend mm -hmm. fooling around, not doing mm -hmm. something that's making money costs you a dollar. So if you, you know, spend an hour messing up, you know, messing with something that's not going to make you $60, then stop doing it. Like, so you know, guys, kind of like, I got to interrupt you really quick. Go with that. I need everybody to just turn up your volume right here. Yeah. And if you're not paying yeah. attention to anything else, stop doing what you're doing and listen to Joni here for a second, because this is yeah. literally what it is. Okay. You need, we all struggle with maker. We all, Andrew and I still to this time, mm -hmm. like we are not valuing yep. our time properly and and you think about it, you see with artists too like when when successful mm -hmm. artists are out there shouting like do not cheapen the whole marketplace for everybody by <laughs> offering you know your art for not getting yeah. paid for what you're worth but do yep. the math sit down the the the, the, mm -hmm. the quick and easy i've always seen Joni correct me if i'm wrong but if you're thinking uh if you're trying to translate on an hourly basis like uh, an annual salary basically just divide by 2 so 125k a year divided by 260 and change you know 60 and change an hour would be a good mm -hmm. rough thing and then analyze like how long did it take me to do that and put that into your pricing and use that to determine yep. like is there a market for this? Right. But when you're pricing it, stop, stop with just the bomb piece. Like we all know that, yes, mm -hmm. it's, it's all these parts, but it's the time that's going to kill you every time. Um, yep. And why do we skip this? Why is that such a common pitfall, Joni? Do you feel like that for people to, to not account for that? I think the main thing is because you, because you enjoy it. You know, I mean, if you're doing something that you love, uh, you know, designing something, uh, time, you don't even pay attention to the time. You don't realize that you've sat there for two hours, you know, adjusting some tiny aspect of something maybe that didn't perhaps need to be done, mm -hmm. or maybe it does, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes there are, that's in there too, but I think it's very easy to undervalue your time when you're doing something that you enjoy. You know, when you're doing something that you hate, a minute feels like an hour, you know, I mean, you know point. the difference yeah. between those yep. two things. So it's easy to be like, oh, I didn't spend that long on it. You know, I, it wasn't just that big a deal. Like for us, again, time is a premium for us. So it's like you just traded three hours of your weekend, not seeing your kids, not doing this, you yep. know. So if you did that, we better have something to put out there for that 
you know, three, four hours, a, ch- a chunk of time you just took out on a Saturday, Yeah. you know, and it's going to be something that we're going to price according to how precious that time is to us, you know, your time. Sure. And so if, if you're printing a, like a big, some of our bigger things have multiple pieces, you know, you're fitting it together. You got to clean all of it. You got to cure all of it. You got to, you know, dry it, paint it, fold it with it. It takes you an hour to make one of those things. That's outside of even your design time, you know, mm-hmm. absolute minimum, you know, starting price is 60 plus your materials, you know, plus, like I said before, you've yeah. got all your supplies. So what kind of percentage does it look like 20%, you know, add on for all of the other stuff you have to get, you know, and all the other things you have to pay for on the side, like your, you know, website and all that kind of stuff too. You have to yeah. include some of those things on there. And people are just like, oh, markup. Well, it's, it's not really, you have to really look at it and say a little bit of all of those things. Markup. I got your markup. Went into that, you know, yeah. And, and especially time because you don't have the dollars in front of you to look at, but your time, you know, you've mm-hmm. got those dollars. And so uh, my brother is a small business owner too. Now he's a welder. So he's hands-on, you know. Oh, like, and he's service-based okay. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Guy. So yeah. He, he knows like time is money. And if, you know, he knows mm-hmm. if he spends X amount of time doing something that is not making him money. And guys never you know, He basically skimp. sees that as he just lost that money, you know. Never skimp on paying your welder, guys. Like you don't, that's, <laughs> you're going to pay, you're going to pay big time. The welders are worth every yeah. penny. Same thing with electricians, like like these trade and plumbers. Don't mess with these yeah. people because your life will be miserable really quick. Um, very good points all, all around. Uh, and and one thing I want to add to that is, uh, yes, as makers, like we enjoy what we're doing, and therefore we don't account for it. But think about how much more enjoyable your time is when you're enjoying your work and you're getting paid for and it, guys. Yeah, and getting paid yeah. for it. Okay, that's the goal. So, um, you know, I, I'm guilty of falling into that trap too. Cause a lot of times like we, we get caught up in the race to the bottom. It is okay. You need to stop and say like the, the people that are, you know, mouthing off about how like, well, I can just go down to home Depot and get a whatever for five mm-hmm. bucks. Go <laughs> like, you are not the customer I want anyway. Have a good time. Go do that. Yeah. I'm not telling you not to do yeah. that, but you, do not discount the fact that there are so many more people out there that are willing to pay good money to not have to do that and to have something that looks a little bit nicer and is special and stuff. You're like, be mm-hmm. special. Be ni- Don't compete on a commodity product. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. But that is a completely different thing. And you better be all about high volume and making money and all that stuff. Like, if you want to be a commodity mm-hmm. product, that's a completely different thing. We are in playing in more of the bespoke space here you know or some combination Mm -hmm. of the two and we need to charge accordingly and i think that that's um really important for for maker people that are thinking about getting in business to hear um you're always going to have the people that are going to complain and you need to learn to just dismiss that and ignore it and not even let it drive your decision making it's tough because well, it's, the, it's, that negative sorry, we always there's four more people that are do that. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. it's going to be a very small percentage, but they're louder. Like it's hard. Yep. You know, the people that love your stuff, we do have a fair amount of people that will give us feedback, but the people that complain are always going to be louder. They're a smaller percentage, and it, it is it does make it harder because. What are you your know, tips like, for maintaining that perspective? Because I always say it's like the people in the middle of the bell curve, the vo- they're, they're happy, they're good. You never hear from them. It's always the people at the ends, right? Like they're either mm-hmm. way, they're all, oh, this is so cool. And it's all more often the people that are just meh, negative about stuff that you need to yep. dismiss. How do you maintain the perspective 
that that there really are the minority because it's so easy to let them get into your head like wait maybe this is a bigger problem than mm-hmm. than it really is well number one i i save emails and things from people that are happy you know mm. so if, celebrate if the i wins. you know if i hear from somebody that's you know really happy mm, that's a good idea and um Right now, because we're small, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll send somebody like a discount code or something if they're a repeat customer or if they've, you know, really put our stuff out there and like played around and did videos and stuff, nothing that we asked them to do. You know, I'll be like, hey, you know, that's great. We love that you're sharing our stuff. You know, we want to thank you. And watching their stuff and the people that react to that is, you know, is nice. It's, it's fun to see that. And especially, like I said before, even in other countries and, and different stuff, you know, just keep it in perspective. Like people think that stuff is cool. And then I do try to respond some to the ones that are negative. And again, just be, you know, business-like and professional about it. And usually, you know, just try not to think about it after that. It's like, okay, I answered that person's question and I'm moving on, you know, an order just came in. Like, you know, my favorite thing is to send out our newsletter that shows new products and then just like wait for my little order thing to go off uh-huh. on my uh-huh. thing. And I'm like, ding, there we go. Cool. Like we're still doing a good thing because people are still excited. That's you ex- know? Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a, that's another good way to sell. I do the same thing. I have the little notifier on my watch. <laughs> just as a reminder, I'm like, people are buying it. People like what right. you're doing. You must be doing something right. Cause people keep buying it. Like nothing tells the story better than sales data, right? Like we can all talk oh, yes. about all this stuff, but it's like, I got the, I got the sales data here, people. So I must be on the mm-hmm. right side. It's either selling or it's not selling. And you can complain about it all you want, <laughs> but I got plenty of people that are willing to pay me. So, right. you know, that makes it a lot easier. Right. But you know, there's going to be times where you're going to, and, and there, it's, it's hard to balance this because there is a little bit of truth and there is a part of me at least that was like, well, yeah, you know, like they're, they're really way out of bounds with it, but they're not wrong about, you know, this and like, and then mm-hmm. hopefully you can keep that in your back pocket and, and do something in a way that kind of works and you're still paying yourself. Like, just don't, don't get wrapped up in the whole like race to the bottom piece. Uh, okay. We're already going long. I, I, I love this <laughs> subject matter and I love talking to people that are just making it go all day. for it. We could literally talk all day. We've taken up too much of your time. And, and as you've said, time is the most precious thing that we have. So Joni, I want to thank you for being on the show. Is there anything you want to wrap this up with a, like any more, one more piece of advice to the lessons learned from being in the trenches for a year now that you would, uh, add to anything that we've said, uh, to anybody out there? Um, I, uh, maybe a couple things I'd say, um, you know, folk, just kind of what we were talking about, focus on abundance rather than scarcity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're, there's always another something. There's always, if, you know, something doesn't work, there's always something else you can design. Or if, you know, one person has a problem, there's always somebody else to sell to. Like, you don't realize mm-hmm. how much is out there in the world, you know, and mm-hmm. it's hard when you're super small and you're, and you're starting to realize that all that's out there, but it is. So, you know, you just really need to try and focus on what else is available and also abundance from the standpoint of like giving of your time and, and contributing to the community and all that kind of stuff. And now we do not put our designs out there because, you know, that's a choice that we made early on that we're not going to sell our designs. We're going to sell our product. And that's something mm-hmm. too, but there are people that go into that space too. And I just feel like, you know, you have to put it out there. If you, if you want to, share that stuff you have to be okay with it and know that you know what you put out there is 
it's going to be fine. You know, you can always yeah. do more stuff, especially as a, as a maker, you can always design something else, think of something else. You're not a one trick pony, you know? So I just, I think that's a big thing to right. keep in mind as you have yeah. ups and downs and, and things happen and, um, you know, just get clarity in the beginning, try and sit down and make some choices in the beginning about where you want to fall. It doesn't mean you can't change things later on, but try and stick on a particular track for a good, you know, six, 12, 18 months and see where it takes you instead of just when you constantly switch gears all the time, you're, you're spreading wide and you're not going down the road. You know, deep. you're just taking, you're taking side trips. So mm -hmm. if you can mm -hmm. focus yourself enough to stay on that track, I think that that's, you know, and then later on you can look at it and say, okay, how did that work? Do we want to change something about that? But you got to give it a chance before you just like, you Great know, tangent point. off into something else. I got to imagine, you know, I, I think of that analogy and I'm like, if I was to look at my path where I am now, I'd look like a <laughs> drunk, just meandering <laughs> down, like stumbling yeah. uh, this way, falling off the road over here, kind of making it back. And we were just like, just get back to the road, guys. Just get back to the road. But you're right. Because yep. a lot of people don't even define what the road is. And so how are you mm -hmm. ever going to get anywhere? Because you're just kind of looking like a little squiggly line. Uh, that's such a good, uh, uh, good way to put it. I, I love it. Um, I think I think that's a good place to wrap it, uh, Andrew. I want to give give you your opportunity. Any any last uh, questions, <laughs> comments, nuggets? We didn't talk about well, wins I mean, this week, even. Yeah, we didn't. Oh we didn't. my gosh! Here, let's share a win. All right, share, I got a win. really good one. Okay, this earlier this week we hit ten thousand orders. Ten thousand like, orders. Know, that's awesome. Ten thousand orders. Yeah. Oh. It took us a year to get to a thousand, and then you know about three years later we did ten thousand. So it's like doing the first thousand nine more times in three <laughs> years instead of a year. You know what? I I love that you shared that. Uh, and I love it when people will actually share some tangible context for people like, I know that it's mm -hmm. like dollars is always a sensitive thing, but like understanding like how sure. much money did you put into this? How much time have you put into this? Like just so people can have some context, 10,000. So you did a hundred, sorry, how many did you do the first year? We did, uh, it took us a year to get to about a, a little bit over a year to get to a thousand. One year to get to a thousand. Um, how long to get to 10,000? It's been four now. It took us four years, four years okay, to get so to Okay, so that 10, gives 000. you guys a, like, a little look at like what that mm -hmm. trajectory yeah. looks like. Well, you, we're also, oh, we're, <laughs> we we also just, you know, this week we're, we're already over uh, another hundred orders on top of that. So, you know, I mean, it just, it, it goes to show you how quick. Once it's once it it's latches, going and you start picking goes. up speed, yes, you know it just starts going. And so, you know, I guess I guess what I would like to add is is really when you set out to start your business, put some thought into what do you want to be. Like Joni was talking about how they didn't want to distribute their models; they wanted to sell their products. That's the decision that they made to do, you know, and that's what they wanted to go and do. That's, I mean, really what we wanted to do, we wanted to focus on adhesives. And I think, you know, we could have added on a bunch of other products. Yeah. We could have become a general reseller, if you will, but we've kept our focus and, you know, that's 10,000 orders of glue. Like that's all that is. And, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm thrilled because, you know, I, I can't wait for the next 10,000, you know, my next, my next goal is a hundred thousand. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going to get there one day. And you'll be, oh, you're, and you're going to be there way faster than you think too. Like exponential growth is an insane thing uh, when, it, yeah. when it actually happens. Joni, do you have any wins uh, that you want to share for the week? 
um, I don't know if it was this week, but it was not too long ago was when we hit 10,000 in orders. And, you know, that was 10,000 in sales. So that was big for us because same thing, you know, like a thousand dollars in sales was, you know, mm-hmm. our first, uh-huh. t- you know, our first sale out was that. And then, you know, that feels like a lot when it's just us doing stuff one and two and you're, and you're selling little things. So right. Right. It's, it's cool just to see that accumulation of effort add up for sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, just to give you guys some context, like I, I don't think we've hit 10,000 orders yet, but we're a much like higher dollar, uh, probably mm-hmm. we're, we're, I think in, uh, like six, closer to six maybe. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how, how well that, that takes off. Um, you know, for us around the show, I, I feel like it's been a series of two steps forward, one step back kind of week. Cause we've been trying to get a number of new products out and we're trying to develop a lot simultaneously, but it's like, I think we finally have a design lock on something that I've been working on for a while. And so I'm just going to take that as my win for this week. And, and, uh, hopefully that'll hit the website for, uh, early, uh, September like launch. And we, we may actually hit the uh, launch target that we had for one of these <laughs> things. Cause we always seem to grossly underestimate how long that, uh, getting new product is going to take out there, but I'll take that. Um, if you got any in the chat, please feel free to share your wins. But I know, like I said, we're going long. Uh, thank you so much, Joni, for joining us today and sharing your experience. And we're going to have to do a follow-up at some point just to see how things are going as you get further down the road and and, and where you are. So we, get, we love doing our check-ins. Uh, if you guys yeah. out there know somebody or, or yourselves are interested in being a guest and sharing your experience on the show, please uh, – uh, hit us up. All our contact information is in the link. You can tweet at us. You can uh, email me uh, through my Repcord uh, business. You know how to find us. Uh, but we appreciate you being yep. there, feeding us stuff from the chat, uh, and being part of the conversation as always. Um, so with that, I'm going to wrap up for this Friday. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Uh, enjoy your weekends. I hope uh, you, know, you, you find it enjoyable, whatever you're doing. And we will catch you for the next Maker That Money next Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the YouTubes. Join us. Till then, <laughs> bye, everybody. See ya. <laughs>